you talk about the love of God, you're not talking about something that's shallow and passing, but something that's deep and lasting. Amen. Thank God for His love. God bless you. Young people, you can slip out to your class while they're doing that. Let me say how good it is to see you in the house of the Lord. Great to have guests with us today. Carrie, Mark, and Tell, thank you for being here today. Sister Miller's sister, God bless her. Brother Steve, it's good to see you. Amen. Great to be in the house of the Lord on this Sunday morning. Let's turn to the book of Philemon. Probably a book that you don't often read from. Perhaps you have stumbled across it at some time. Most people do not read the book of Philemon simply because it's only one chapter. And it's a very personal letter from Paul to his friend concerning a slave that had escaped. But I want to take you to Philemon down to verse number 8 and verse 9. Philemon's 1, verse 8 and 9. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. In other words, because of who I am, I could really exert some pressure on you to do what I command. Not what I'm asking or suggesting, but what I command. But verse 9, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the Apostle, or Paul the Aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about your options. Amen. Everybody say my options. And you have them. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is estimated that in the time of the writing of this text, there were some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Of those 60 million slaves, there were times when some would escape and flee from their master for whatever reason. They were considered a piece of property. They were not viewed with human rights. They were viewed as objects to be owned. And so they were treated thus. In our text, it is a letter written by Paul to his friend Philemon. Philemon, who has suffered the loss of one of his slaves, one of his men named Onesimus had escaped Somehow in all of the transactions, he had been caught and he had been put in prison. And Paul comes in contact with him there in that prison setting. 
And so there is this conversion that takes place. Onesimus is won by the gospel that Paul preached. And he is converted there in the prison. And now he is being released. And so Paul takes it upon himself to write a letter to his dear friend concerning this runaway slave. That he would treat him properly. That he would receive him back not just as a slave but even as a brother. When I got to looking at this particular text, there is one word that leaped out at me. And then as I studied that one word, I realized there was another word connected to it that Paul often used in his writing. Paul used the word beseech many, many times. Though he had great authority He was an apostle of apostles. He was a leader of leaders. He had the power and the influence. He had the track record to demand things of people. And yet over and over, Paul found himself like many preachers, many pastors. All you can do is wind up begging people to do what's right. I beseech you, brethren. I beg you, brethren. Twenty-four times the word beseech is used in Paul's writings. Other times it is inferred, but there was this pleading. Paul knew that by authority he could command things and they ought to do them. But people who live strictly by the law, And do not learn how to live by love will never succeed in their Christian journey. There are some people, as long as you legislate to them, they're they're fine. But they can't live without legislation in their life. And Paul said, if I wanted to, I could command you to do this because I have the authority to do that. But he said, really, there's there's something better than a command that I could offer you, and that is an option. You have an alternative. And so Paul said in his writing, yet for love's sake, I rather... The word rather there in our text indicates that there are options available. That you are not blocked in or you are not locked in to a certain type of a decision. That you are not forced to do something a certain way, but you do have options. How often in life we feel like we are blocked. How many times have I heard people tell me, Brother Hughes, I don't feel like I have any choice. And the truth is, we always have a choice. We always have a choice. You are not blocked, although it may appear to be so, you have options. 
But sometimes we get so locked in to our problem thinking that that's all we see are our problems. I remember reading the story about one of the men who was captured during the Vietnam War. He was a a pilot of one of the uh, fastest aircrafts that uh, America had at that time. And he kind of viewed himself as Superman. He was almost invincible. He flew at such a, a fast rate of speed that it would be hard for anybody to catch up. And on top of that, he was good at what he did. He was so good that he thought he was invincible. Nobody would ever bring him down, but somebody did bring him down. And he found himself this strong man, this man who at one point in his life seemed invincible. Now he is a broken down prisoner in a dirty war camp in Vietnam. And very quickly, his mental capacities began to deteriorate. Very quickly, he began to go down that slippery slope of hopelessness. And he said he had come to a point of total despair in his life. He had come to the point in his life where he felt like he was just going to give up and die. It would be better than enduring the pain of the moment. And then he was put in a cell beside a man who got on his nerves. He annoyed him because he would write him little notes to try to lift his mind and his thinking. And finally, after several attempts by the man to get through to this man, he finally cried out to him, What are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to tell me? He said, What I'm trying to tell you is that life is not as bad as you think it is. And as bad as it may seem, what is worse is what's happening in your mind because you are becoming a victim of prison thinking. Prison thinking. That you'll never get out of this. That it's never going to get any better. That life is always going to be this lemon that you're going to have to learn how to make lemonade out of. And so it is with us. Sometimes we get locked into prison thinking. And there is nothing that is more difficult to break than a mind that is closed. Than a mind that refuses to open the windows and look out. Sometimes I think we like misery. Sometimes I think we like pain. I think Bonnie Raitt was right. I don't want anything to change. That was one of her songs. Somehow she conveyed the idea that she had gotten used to living in this hellish situation. And I don't want anything to change. Well, folks, that may be your motto, but it's not mine. I I don't want to get locked into this problem thinking. I don't want to get locked into this prison 
mindset that this is the way it is and you're just going to have to learn how to live with it. I've come to tell somebody today that there are still options to every one of us that sit in this auditorium and none of us are locked into doing what we think we've got to do. We do have a choice. We do have an option. I come to remind you that though you may be blocked, you are not completely blocked. There is a way out. There always is with God. Some way or other, the Lord will provide. You may be standing at a Red Sea this morning And it looks totally impossible for anything to change. But all that it really takes is for the wind of God to start blowing and everything can change. Amen. Sometimes we get into the place in life that we feel that we don't have any options. And that we are blocked in what we are going to do or what we can do. And the truth is... You're not blocked at all. There are options. Paul was, was, he, he was trying to speak in behalf of this converted prisoner. And he was saying to Philemon, you, you, you do have rights. I understand that. And sometimes I'm afraid that we, we get so hung up in our rights. What? we deserve or what is supposed to be given to us, that we become blinded to higher things that can be done for not only the betterment of ourselves, but those that are around us. Paul said, I am appealing to you, although you have the right to feel the way you feel and you have the right to think the way you think about Onesimus, I am beseeching you, rather, I am telling you that there's an option, there's a higher way of responding to this than anger or bitterness or hatred or revenge. There's a better option for you out there. And if you'll just open your eyes and listen and hear and see, God will show you there's another way. I know what your feelings may be. You've been done wrong. Oh, my. My, my. I've been, I've been done wrong. I, I, I paid good money for this man, and I treated him right. And then the first time he got a chance, he ran off, and he left me. He, he took away my investment, and so I have these feelings. God, I pray that we could wrestle our feelings down under the blood today. Because feelings can get you in trouble. Feelings can get you in trouble. Feelings can make you make decisions that are not based on good knowledge. Amen. Amen. Jacob and Esau, brothers that warred and fought. Brothers that struggled over preeminence. And Jacob desiring the better thing connived and convinced his brother to give him the birthright for a mess of pottage, just for a bowl of beans. And he sold it. He gave it to him. But it wasn't over with. He has to go before his father. It's one thing to have the birthright 
given to you by your brother. It's another thing to have your father convey that blessing. And so Rebecca, his mother, gets with him and they figure out a way. We're going we're gonna to get this, we're going to pull this off. You know, I, it's amazing the ingenuity of the human mind to pull off what we want to pull off. I'll tell you how many times people come into my office, they're not seeking advice. They're trying to get approval for what they've already got planned in their mind. They've already got it worked out. They're just trying to give you, get you to give them a loophole. And so here they are, mother and son, conniving against the father so that he'll make sure that he puts that hand on Jacob and passes along that blessing of birthright. The only way they could make it happen was we got to make you smell like the earth and smell like the, the outdoors. And so they took and they put hairy skin on his arms and they dressed him in the smelly clothes of an Esau and they go in. You go back and read Genesis and it'll haunt you what Jacob said, what the father said. He said, it is the voice of Jacob. But what I'm feeling feels like Esau. And so instead of making his decision based on what he knew, he based it on what he felt. And your feelings can get you in trouble. Because our feelings are fickle. I mean, you can wake up in the morning and feel on top of the world and just happy-go-lucky, everything's going your way, and by midday you can be in the mullet grub because something happened or some emotional letdown came or somebody disappointed you. And if you're not careful, you can destroy a lifetime in a moment by giving in to your feelings. I want to tell somebody you have an option today. I want to tell somebody that there's a rather hanging out there. There's a better way to do it than what maybe your mind is thinking of doing. Be careful that you don't get into prison thinking, that you don't get into problem thinking, that all you can see is what's wrong and all you can see is what is against you because there's more that's for you than what is against you. Even Jacob came to a point in his life when everything had gone wrong. He had lost Joseph. He had, he had lost another son who had been imprisoned in Egypt. And now he's thinking all of these things have gone wrong. And he makes the statement, all these things are against me. And the truth is, none of it was against him. Actually, it was working for him. Because if his son Joseph had not been in Egypt, he would have never made it through the famine. Sometimes what we view as a problem is really a doorway of opportunity to really get us to where God needs us to be. And the only way he could get us there is to take us by the journey that he took us. Because we wouldn't learn any other way. We wouldn't learn any other way. He said, for love's sake, I rather beseech you. I know that I could come up here and demand things from people, but I've lived long enough to know that that, that doesn't work.
I used to, I, I grew up in, 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 in an atmosphere where a lot of things were commanded and all that I saw it do was teach people how to be professional hypocrites because they never got it down where it needed to be and they didn't do it for the right cause. If you're going to do it just because I say do it, that's a good reason, but you need to go deeper than that. You need to do it for love's sake. You need to do it because behind all of this, there's a hand of God that's working for your good. You need to do it because behind everything that's going on is the love of God that's trying to bring you to a better place, that's trying to perfect something in your life. And no matter what may be wrong in your life right now, there is a love of God that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And he said, if you will let love speak in your life, if you'll just let love have a voice in your life, you will like the outcome a whole lot better. I know your feelings, but I want to tell you there are other options available more than your feelings. Rather, indicates that there's more. Oftentimes what God wants to do in my life and what God gets to do in my life are two different things because I don't give him the option. The Bible said it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means that if you give God the opportunity, he's going to be good. He's going to be better than good. He's going to bless you. He's going to multiply. He's going to give. He's going to press down. He's going to shake it together. He's going to make it run over if you give him the option. If you just open the door and say, God, I don't want to be locked into prison thinking. I, I, I don't want to get locked into problem thinking. I don't want to go through life seeing everything as against me. Everything is against me. Everything is, is out to get me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. If you'll just give God a chance, he will be better to you than you deserve. He will. The fact is, if you give God the option, he'll bless you. He'll enrich your life. If your father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom, why don't you let him give it to you? Amen. Matthew chapter 20, the householder went out to the market to hire laborers. He negotiated a penny a day for those who first came. He went the third hour and the sixth hour and even the ninth hour. And he asked, why stand you here idle? He negotiated with them a wage of a penny a day. Wrong. He did not. The only people he negotiated with was that first crew. The rest of them, he just said, if you'll go, I'll be good to you. You know, sometimes all you have to do is just show up for God to bless you. You know, some of us got the idea that, you know, we, we got to perform to get God to bless us. If we worship good enough, if we clap our hands loud enough, if we shout loud enough, if we dance, if we smile, if we rejoice. But sometimes life is such that if you just show up, God will bless you. If you don't come with an agenda. You see, the problem with that first crew is they had an agenda. 
If you're going to get me, you're going to have to pay for me. If you're going to get me to serve you, it's going to cost you. And you know what? God was merciful enough in the story that he negotiated with them. And just like human beings, they griped about it when they finally got paid. You see, what I'm trying to say is when you try to lock God in and say, okay, God, this is the only way it's going to happen. God will let it happen sometime just like that. But you're not going to like the outcome. You're not going to like the the result. It would be much better to say, God, you know what? You're a good God. And you're a just God. And so I'm going to commend my soul into your hands. And whatever is good, that's what you're going to do to me. Whatever is best. Whatever, this is what the scripture says. And whatsoever is right, I will give it thee. That was what the master said to those who came to work. Whatever is right, whatever is right, God said, I will give it you. I will do it if you will just let me be Lord of your situation. The question of all questions was asked by the man by the pool of Bethesda. Wilt thou be made whole? You mean my life has been reduced to me answering that question? More often than not, it is. You have to decide how the story ends. Am I going to get better or am I just going to stay in this miserable state that I'm in? Am I going to get over this? Or am I just going to keep living in this? Am I going to be limited by these limitations? Or am I going to realize that there's nothing that can free, nothing that can bind what God has set free? It's my option. I have, I have a choice. Philemon, there's a lot of things you could do, but let me tell you what would be better. It would be better if you would just let this thing be healed. Let it, let it be healed. Let, let, let it work its way out. Receive him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. You have that choice. You, you have that right. You hold in your hand the power to decide one way or the other. Let it be healed. Much of my spiritual recovery in life depends on what I let happen. God provides grace and God provides mercy and God provides the offer of help, but I have to let it be. Amen. I have to let it be. I have to let it into my life. If you want to recover, you can. If you want to get better, you can. If you want to be healed, you can. The only thing you have to do is just let it rather be healed. Amen. A drought was predicted for Elijah, the people of that day, and God took him to a brook. 
He commanded the ravens to feed him there. Morning and evening, the ravens brought bread and flesh. But Elijah had to show up to eat it. Amen. God has provided, but somebody's got to step up and say, you know what, I need that today. Because I'm seeing myself become more and more trapped by prison thinking. I see myself more and more being trapped by problem thinking. I see myself more and more being locked into this small room where I seem to have no options. You do have options this morning. A difficult situation, no doubt, but it's not insurmountable. There is a better way. There is a better response to your problem. Amen. If you just give it a chance, if you just give it an opportunity, instead of fighting, instead of resisting instead of refusing why don't you open your hands and say God I don't know what all this means and I don't know why but I trust you to work this out in my life and I trust you to get me through this thing so that when it's all said and done I can look back and say the Lord has been so good to me There's a better way of dealing with your situation than what you're seeing right now. And God sent me with a simple message to tell you that there are options. Here is the conclusion of the argument. You can end a war this morning by doing the right thing. By just let it rather be. Allow it. Permit it. The opposite can be done, I'm certain. I I know that we can. I, I know that we are all capable of closing doors because I've seen it happen over and over. I've watched some of you close doors on me while I've been preaching. I've watched the windows shut. And you check out and go to Six Flags. And I'm just a feeble preacher up here begging you. Would you wake up and listen to me? I'm trying to tell you. You're not locked in to making a bad decision. You're not locked in to doing something that could be detrimental to you for future time. You don't have to respond to things the way you think you have to respond. There are options. There are options. And Paul said, I just I want to throw this out to you, Philemon. I know what you have the right to do. And I know what you have feelings to do. But if you would just let love speak for a little while. If you would just allow the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart just to begin to talk to you. I think it would change the way you feel about your situation. You've been awfully hard on him. But when you look in the mirror, what are you but a sinner saved by grace? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure.
Thank God for love that endures. For love's sake. For love's sake. If love can ever speak, it'll get us out of some really tight places. It'll keep us from making some really bad decisions. If love can ever be allowed to speak, it will help us make the right choice. Solomon was faced with perhaps one of the greatest tests of his leadership. Two women gave birth at the same time to children. Somehow in the night, one of them rolled over and smothered the child and it died. Realizing what had happened, this crafty mother, this woman of the street as she was known, took her baby and exchanged it for the living baby. And when the other mother woke up in the morning, she realized her baby was dead and she did what any mother would do. She just, she panicked until she realized, this is not my child. This is not my baby. And so it's brought before Solomon. Solomon, what are you going to do? Here are two mothers. Both of them are saying the same thing. Both of them are saying, that's my child. That's my baby. Who's right? Do you understand that many times as a pastor, that's the exact dilemma that I'm put in? Pitting this person against this person. And you listen to this person and you think, man, that's not right. You listen to this, uh, that's not right. Hey, knowing how to make the right decision isn't always the easiest thing in the world to do. And you know what? I gave up on being God. I tried it for a little while and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Every time I've tried to play God, it's always come back to just Bite me really bad. And so Solomon said, I tell you what you do. Bring me a sword. We'll divide the baby. We'll give half to one, half to the other. And you know the story. The real mother, the mother who had given birth to this child, said, you know what? Rather than divide the baby, I would rather let the baby live than see it die just because of our selfish, self-centered thinking. And love spoke. Love spoke. Love said, let the baby live. Let the baby live. And Solomon knew, there's the mother. that's, That's the real mother right there. You see, if love can ever speak in our life, it can prevent us from making some really foolish decisions. It can keep us from becoming trapped by this prison thinking. Why did I do this? Why why did I say that? Why am I where I am? And we get to looking around and think they're just, it's getting worse all the time. Life just going down a slippery slope in a hurry. Something needs to happen to somebody this morning. The window needs. I'm trying to get a window open, and I'm not doing a real good job, but I'm trying to get a window open to make you realize that there's more outside than what you see right now. 
And if love could ever speak, if love could ever have a voice in your life, it would change your attitude. It would change your feelings. It would make you realize, you know what? I don't have any room to be mean or hard. Or I, I, I really, I, I know I'm not done as bad as somebody else, but you know what the truth is? None of us are here by our own merit. We're all here by the grace of God. You know what? If God would give you a chance, why don't you give somebody else one? Let's stand.